0: We've been studying the counsel of the wonderful Counselor. Instances when God Himself has given counsel to individuals with problems. Today we come to the Apostle Paul and how the Lord Jesus Himself counseled Paul in a time of weakness. Do you have weaknesses? Do you know that God has just as sovereignly given you your weaknesses as he has sovereignly given you your strengths? And learning to make good use of our weaknesses is a key to spiritual power. Paul discovered it, he learned it the hard way. And so we learn it the hard way too. Because Scripture is a light on our path. The Bible is the guide to explain to us what in the world is going on in our lives. You ever wonder what was going on in your life? Say, Lord, what are you doing? What's going on here? Why am I so weak in this particular area or at this particular time? I believe the sovereign Lord desires to glorify himself through our weaknesses. Learning to make the most of our weaknesses is what we want to study today. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and show us the true meaning of this word that you have recorded and preserved for us that we might be edified today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our family used to play a lot of games when we traveled on the road together as I was growing up as a child. And one of the games that we would play, not just looking at license plates from different states or doing the alphabet on road signs or things like that, was figuring out what was going on in the lives of people in the cars around us. (laughs) we would analyze them with the obvious evidence from their stickers, their license plates, and things like that. And as I was traveling down to visit my sister in the hospital and my mother-in-law in in the hospital in Florida this last week, I spent a lot of time on the highway, and I, I tried to figure out the people that were traveling with me. Especially if their driving was a little dangerous, you know. Just trying to figure out what is going on with that person. Why do they keep wandering around the road and so forth. And, and one of the puzzles of life is to try to figure out what's going on in other people around us. In our family, especially. But even at church. And the fact was that the Corinthians thought they had figured out Paul. But in this particular passage, he says, you know what? You may think you understand me, but there are some things you don't know. You know, that's why God has not called us to be each other's judges. Don't judge one another before the time, Paul says. Because things are going to come to light in God's judgment. There are... Motives that you don't know. There are secret things, good and bad. These will all come out. Some men's sins go before them, going to judgment. Other men they follow after. We don't know as much as we might think we know about each other. That's why we should not sit in judgment of one another. They thought they understood the Apostle Paul, but there was a lot they didn't know. And... (laughs) In chapter 11, the end of the chapter 11, he tells about one of the most humiliating experiences he ever had. In uh, chapter 11 and uh, verse 30, I believe it is, he tells about when he was let down. Verse 33, 2 Corinthians 11, 33, I was let down. You ever been let down? Lots of people and things can let you down. He was let down in a basket through a window in the wall. He'd been preaching in Damascus. Things were going really well till the government tried to arrest him and kill him and he had to leave town in a basket. He was a basket case, according to (laughs) verse 33. Pretty embarrassing way to leave town. They didn't know about that. They didn't know about some of the humiliations he had had in his life. And then he says in chapter 12 you don't know about one of the grandest things that ever happened to me. He said, I was caught up to the third heaven. What's that? Well, in the ways that the Greeks and the Hebrews thought about heaven, they thought about the first heaven as the atmosphere where the birds fly, and now airplanes fly, the atmosphere around the earth. And then they thought of the second heaven is where the stars and the planets were, what we would call outer space. But the third heaven is the dwelling place of God. In another dimension, you will not find it by going up in a rocket or a spaceship, but it is there, and it is the place where God dwells. It is the place where we go when we die. But apparently... He had gone to the third heaven. He was caught up to the third heaven. Verse 4, he was caught up into paradise. Remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross? Believed in him. Today you will be with me in paradise. Heaven. The third heaven. The place where God dwells. He says, by the way, I went to heaven. He says about 14 years ago. Well, the book of Acts records an instance where the crowd thought they had stoned Paul, to death, he was left for dead. And later on, he got up and went into town. Maybe this was when he was caught up into the third heaven. He had some kind of an experience, and he was not authorized to speak of what he had heard and seen there. Wow. My grandfather, Archibald Albert Jones, wonderful Christian man, uh, when he was in the nursing home, he had a dream one night that he had gone to heaven. It was such a good dream that he made a cassette tape recording of his experience and sent it to all his children and grandchildren. And from that time on, all he wanted to do was die and go to heaven. Lord's very gracious... You know, sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I don't know whether you're going to believe this or not. Did anybody ever tell you that? I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but I had this experience. God spoke to me. God led me. God provided. God provided in some miraculous way. And, and they almost, I don't know, some dispensationalists think that God doesn't do any miracles today. I believe that God does miracles today. I believe God works in people's lives. God calls. God is doing wonderful things in this day. Sometimes people, you know, like us, we read the Bible and, like, yeah, 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 that was all back then. It was all back then. God did some really great things back then. I believe God does great things now. I believe one of the greatest things He ever does is save a sinner because when somebody gets saved God is raising the dead and giving sight to the blind it's a miracle great miracle and in the process of saving people God all does all kinds of miraculous things to draw them God is at work God is alive God is working in our world today by his spirit and through his word in miraculous ways and and Paul was not just a, a theologian. He was probably the world's greatest theologian, but he wasn't just a theologian. He was a man who had encountered God by God's grace and wonderful experiences. And he says, You don't know about that. You see, the Corinthians had formed some opinions about Paul, because Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And you say, Pastor, what was Paul's thorn? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with his eyesight. We don't know. When he first got saved, you remember there were scales on his eyes, and he was blinded, and then he could see. Um, He said the believers would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him if they could have. Uh, Perhaps it was an eye problem. If you take the word thorn and study it in the scriptures, though, it is used in the Old Testament of people who oppose God's work. John MacArthur believes it was a guy in his church. (laughs) Apparently, John MacArthur has had some guys in in his church, you know. I don't know. You say, well, I know what my thorn is, I don't know what your thorn is. But everybody has thorns in their lives. You know why there are thorns in the world? Genesis tells us a story. You go back to chapter 3. when In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, that's when God brought those thorns and thistles into the world. Amen? And there's been thorns ever since. And sometimes God, as He did in the book of Hosea, builds a hedge of thorns around us to protect us. We try to go in a certain direction, and it hurts, and so we back off. But it was God's way of protecting us and keeping us from something. And yet the ultimate thorn was the, thorn, the crown of thorns that our Savior wore uh, for us. Part of His suffering was having the crown of thorns mockingly placed upon His head as the blood streamed down His face. He wore the thorns for us. I don't know what your thorn is. I believe the Bible has left it vague so that you could fill in that blank. You say, well, I know what my thorn is. He lives in my house. She lives in my house. Or... You know, whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's an emotional problem that other people cannot see, but you struggle with it. I don't know what it is, but as a believer, God not only allows thorns in our lives, He designs the thorns that we have. Those areas of pain and weakness in us are sovereignly designed by God. And Paul tells us, He says, I prayed three times. And I don't think it was like, help me, help me, help me. I think he prayed like Jesus did three times. You remember? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus three times went and fell on his face and sweat drops of blood. He prayed that the cup might pass from him. But God said no. The Father said no to Jesus. No, the cup is not going to pass. You're going to drink it. You're going to drink it. The cup of judgment for our sins. And Jesus drank the cup. Has God ever said no to you? Maybe you prayed about something. You said, Lord, take this problem away from me. This family problem. This emotional problem. This physical problem. This uh, money problem or whatever it is. Lord, take this away from me. I, I, it's ruining my life. I'm, I'm totally focused on this. It's, it's causing pain and, and humiliation to me. And God says, no, you're going to keep the thorn. Why does God sometimes answer our prayers with a no, even though we had a really good prayers? Maybe we had three really good prayers. Why does he allow handicaps in our lives? Paul tells us, look at verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. That's to slap him around. Lest I be exalted above measure. Lest I be exalted above measure. You see that phrase in verses seven and eight. He says, lest I should get too big an opinion of myself. And lest my head should get too big. In my office I have a motorcycle helmet a nice brand new one that was uh, written on by people in my previous church at the banquet they had in our honor when we left. And they all signed it and said wonderful things about us on it. It was so nice. And, uh, and I have that helmet in my office. I still haven't been able to get it on. And, uh, you know, they said such nice things about me. Maybe someday my head will shrink (laughs) so I can wear that one. Uh, But you know, when God uses you, one of the real dangers of being used by God is that you get a big head, you get a big opinion of yourself, especially, you know, being an interim pastor. When people come up to you and say, oh, pastor, you know, that was a wonderful message, and, you know, people say nice things. That's why I always go to that door, because that's the door where people want to say nice things. To. I don't know. People go out other doors. But the ones that want to say nice things to me, they come to that door, and it's very nice. And, you know, maybe, maybe there are people that say nice things to you. And, and maybe you teach a Sunday school class, or you're involved in a ministry, or you're helping people in some way, and they say, oh, you're wonderful. And, you know, I'll tell you what, there's a real temptation to get lifted up in pride, to become proud of yourself and to think there's something in you that, that is this way. He says, God, God humbled me by this thorn. His thorn was not there because of unconfessed sin. His thorn was not there because of his lack of faith. His thorn did not remain because of a lack of prayer. No, Paul was walking with God, but he had an obvious thorn in the flesh that was humiliating, that was disgusting to him and others. And he says, that's how God keeps me humble. If you've ever been in Baltimore in some of the old neighborhoods, the old row houses in Baltimore, you will see these beautiful marble steps on some of the poorest homes in Baltimore, the old Poor homes, you'll see marble steps. Do you know how those marble steps got there? Ballast in ships. Yeah. Because in the old days of sailing ships that would go back and forth between Baltimore Port and Europe, uh, they would uh, ship uh, their produce from Baltimore to Europe. And on the way back, they would put the ballast in the ships. And then when they get to Baltimore, they would use that ballast to use For their steps. You know, sailing ships, the stronger the wind, the more the ballast has to be in the bottom. And if God has, by His Spirit, been moving your life along in powerful ways, He's going to give you some ballast in the bottom to keep that wind from blowing you over and wrecking your life with foolish pride, which is the ultimate sin that brought Satan Uh, down from being the high angel of heaven to being the cursed devil. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. Yes, God will allow you to have a thorn to keep you humble and dependent on Him. That's what He will do. So, Paul says, here's the real reason I have this thorn, folks. It's because without this thorn, I would be hopelessly proud and I would be set on a shelf. I would be unusable by God. God uses people who are humbled. And there's no way to be humbled without being humiliated. You know? You say, well, Lord, I want to be more humble. You know? That'll be about the time you'll like fall down the steps or something. You know? You'll trip over something. you do something stupid. Or or you'll you'll bounce a check, you know, or whatever it is that that humbles you, you know? You'll be humiliated. And you'll find out that God will, will use that humility in your life. So the first reason Paul had his thorn was that God was humbling him and keeping him humble. The second reason is that God was going to give him grace that would empower him for service. Look at verses 9 and 10. He said to me, how many of you have Bibles with words of Christ in red? Anybody? Is that in red? Yeah, Yeah, it should be. Because that's a word of Christ, not recorded anywhere else. God spoke to Paul these very words. Jesus spoke these words to him. The wonderful counselor spoke to Paul. And this is what he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect completed in weakness in weakness our weakness becomes the opportunity for God's strength because his grace is sufficient for us so what is it it is grace God is so gracious he saves us by grace he empowers us to serve him by his grace what is grace grace is God's free, undeserved favor. Some people go through life with a daisy. He loves me, he loves me not. God's grace is he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me. It's not about me, it's about him being the great lover. He loves me. Not because of anything good in me. All I have is needs. And all he has is grace. It's a message of grace. It's a message of sufficient grace. We are not sufficient for these things, but he is sufficient for everything he wants to do in us and through us. His material provision is sufficient. He will supply all our need according to His riches in glory. He is the One who will give us grace for enduring the suffering that He allows into our lives. And His grace is effective in strengthening our lives. That's what we need is His strength. So what God sovereignly does is He gives us a thorn and with that thorn, he gives sufficient grace to endure that thorn and to continue to serve him and even turn that thorn into a pulpit for the gospel, to use that opportunity for him. I can think of no better illustration than Johnny Erickson, Tata. I remember back in college in the late 60s. Yeah. Over Christmas break, uh, there was going to be a student convention, and the girl in the wheelchair was going to speak. That's all I knew. It was like, yeah, the girl in the wheelchair. And I wasn't able to go, uh, but the students that went, they came back raving about this girl in the wheelchair. She had come from a fairly wealthy family, had been involved in riding horses and competition and all kinds of things, And then she had taken a dive into the waters of the Chesapeake Bay and had broken her neck and had become a quadriplegic. Many people prayed for her that she would be healed. She uh, came from a born-again Christian family. Her parents were believers. And many people prayed for her to become healed, but she was not healed. And then a young seminary student from Westminster Seminary uh, began counseling her and guiding her into the fact that God had allowed this thorn in her life and that through her weakness, she could have a ministry uh, like nobody else could have. And you know, she continues to have a ministry. And if you ever heard her on the radio or read her books or seen her movie or any of those things, she still, as a quadriplegic, has an incredible platform for ministry. I was handing out tracts along with some of my boys at the Baltimore, Washington International Airport many years ago, uh, when I was pastoring in Maryland. And uh, sure enough, here came uh, J- uh, Johnny Erickson uh, with her wheelchair being pushed by her husband. And uh, we were giving out tracts, and I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting her and speaking with her and her husband. What a what a testimony she is, and uh, her her her. her She teaches the Bible, but it has such a power behind it because out of her incredible weakness, God is speaking. And you might think, I can't serve God. Uh, I don't have a lot of strengths. You know, I'm not a public speaker. Uh, Well, Moses, he said he wasn't a public speaker either, but God revealed some wonderful truths through a man who couldn't talk. You ever think about that? Yeah, interesting. Interesting. We've been studying Peter, what a mess he was, here, there, and everywhere, coming up with all kinds of weird ideas and everything else, and yet used of God in powerful ways. You see, sometimes we think, I could serve God if I had some strengths. But what actually God wants to do is take our weaknesses, He wants to give us grace, and then He wants to use our weaknesses as a platform for ministry. And that is what authentic ministry truly is. It is ministering out of our weaknesses. It's sharing our own dumb failures and our own shortcomings, our own catastrophes. And then you know what? Our hearers relate to that, don't they? Yeah, because we all have those shortcomings and weaknesses and failures and handicaps. But out of that, and then we connect up with people on that human weakness level, and we point them not to ourselves, because we are weak and helpless, we point them to Jesus. Amen? You know, I learned a long time ago, I'm not the solution to anybody's problems. (laughs) I've got my own, thanks. And there are plenty. I bring my own problems to the Lord, and... I bring my family's problems to the Lord and there's lots of problems. And I, I constantly have the burden of myself and my own f- sins and failures and, and, and bring these things to the Lord. But I'll tell you what, I have a Lord to whom I can go. And He helps me. And He answers my prayers. And, and, and He works in my life. And He works in the lives of others. And I can point people to Him from my weakness. And that is the ministry that God has called us to. You know, they tell us that Paul was not an impressive guy to look at. You know, he wasn't much to look at. uh, But he knew how to point people to the beauty and the power and the grace and the goodness of his God. You know, our world prizes strength. Think of the Olympics for a minute. Hmm. The physical strength of the athletes the financial strength of companies, the political strength of office holders, the military strength of armies. But Paul puts a new twist on the notion of strength. He says weakness can make a person strong. Most of us would have no problem with God using our natural areas of strength, such as speaking, organizing, managing, or selling, but suppose he chose to instead use us in those areas where we are weak. Weakness as a way of making us rely on God far more than our strengths do. What weakness in your life might God desire to use for his purposes? Let's bow in prayer. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us when we have failed to serve You because of our weaknesses. Father, we hold up our weaknesses to You and we say, Lord, if You won't remove this weakness, if You keep this thorn in my life, would You use it for Your glory? Could I somehow relate to other people with this thorn, with this weakness? Could You somehow bring Your power into the lives of others Through my weakness, Father, work in us. Forgive us when we have tried to conceal our weaknesses, when we have tried to avoid them or to somehow uh, prevent others from seeing our weakness. Help us, Lord, to be those honest, humble, authentic people who share our weakness and share your strength your power, your ability. And Lord, one thing we can't ever do is save ourselves. I pray for any here today who have not been saved yet by the power of God. I pray that you would work in their hearts that they would admit their inability to save themselves and trust in Jesus who died for us and rose again to save us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we go from this place to another place, may the Lord give His grace that we will continue to experience His sufficiency in our lives. I'd like to encourage us to add to our prayer list this morning the family of Mike White. Mike is helping us in the sound audiovisual uh, booth this morning. Mike's dad went to be with the Lord uh, this past week. Let's pray for Mike and Stacy gwen and aaron and andrew that the lord will meet their needs at this time as well and joy best is going to come and lead us in prayer may the lord bless you and keep you may he cause his face to shine upon you and give you his grace
1: my apologies for not being ray martin this morning (laughs) let us pray heavenly father god we thank you for this this beautiful, wonderful day that you've given us to gather together as believers and sing your words and and uh, sing your praises and hear your words, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will allow us to take these words that have been spoken to us today through our preacher and uh, and learn from those things and, and be humbled and find ways to, to uh, turn our weaknesses into strengths on behalf of you, God. Lord, we thank you for the leadership of our church right now, God, and we pray that uh, that we'll continue to be blessed, and that the search committee, uh, that you will lead the search committee uh, to the person you've already chosen to, to continue to lead this church in the future, God. Lord, this morning we lift up our, our mission of the week, Dan and Donna Stanbridge, as they work to further your gospel in Milan, Italy, Lord, through their ministry. Uh, we ask that you just be with their family as they continue to to further your kingdom, God. Lord, as we go from this place today, help us to be humbled and be servants of you. Keep us safe and bring us together soon, God. We ask all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.